Well, hello. Welcome to another Scientology Fair Game, the podcast. Hello, Mikey. Hi, Lily. How are you today? today? I'm good. I'm good. I mean, good as good could be in this, still in the, in this. In the, in the world of pandemic? Yes. Yeah, I know. I know. But we're coming out of it finally. Yes, yes, yes. Um, so we have a special guest, always a special guest. <laughs> Uh, Mike, would you like introduce? Would you like to introduce her? Absolutely. I uh, saw. I, I got. I got a little bit. Uh, of course, like out of five million positive tweets, I get one like "Let Mike speak," and now I'm like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's always complainers out there. You can't. You can't keep all the people happy all the time, Leah. You know but that. Mike, can you let the people know that I tell you all the time? Can you? Can you? You want to you want to chime in? Can Mike? you speak up? Do you want to chime in? <laughs> yes, you do. Okay, good. Yes, you do. Okay. There's no question about that. Okay. I I'm not I don't feel trodden upon, okay. deprived of airtime or uh unable to express myself when And are you saying this of your own free will Mike under any duress? Well, apart from Angelo standing next to me pointing <laughs> a gun at my head, I'm all good. Great. A, that's a joke. That's a joke. That's a joke. All right. Yes, Would of you, course. And, of course. And, and now, and now everybody sees why Mike maybe doesn't do a whole lot of speaking. But go ahead, introduce <laughs> our guest. Introduce our guest. <laughs> okay. Yeah. This is this is something a little special and yeah. different this mm-hmm. week because we have someone who I came across because I discovered a paper that she had done. Uh, she is a second year law student at Texas Tech University School of Law, and she wrote a law review article that is really probably the best and most brilliant summary I've seen of the issues that concern Scientology and its tax exempt status. Um, and I have put this on my blog and I've sent it around to various people and I've been sending it to elected officials um, but I thought it would be really interesting to talk to this young woman who authored this and find out a little bit more about it. Her name is Taylor Holly, and she has never been a Scientologist, though she grew up in the Tampa area from age mm-hmm. six to 16 until she moved back to Texas. So with that brief introduction... Hi, Taylor. It's really nice to have you and be able to speak to you directly. Hi, Mike. Thank you guys so much for having me on. Of course. <laughs> it's a pleasure. So, Taylor, let's let's discuss what made you write this paper in the first place. Because you, I mean, although you grew up in Tam- Tampa, did you know anything about Scientology? Uh, so I think anything I did know was very, like, surface level. Uh-huh. Um so just being in such close proximity to Clearwater, um, I guess, is how I did know so much about it. Um, or, well, not so much, I guess, how I knew about it, period, just in general. Um, I remember whenever I was a kid, I did actually, like, ask my parents at one point in time, like, what is this? Uh, and initially they just told me uh, it's a cult, so stay away from it. And if Sorry. anyone ever tries to, you know, approach you um, – go away so <laughs> good advice um, good advice good, good parenting good parenting go ahead. yeah so then uh whenever i moved back to texas obviously they didn't have uh i didn't move to an area that they were um you know super prevalent or had um a very large presence so i honestly kind of forgot about them until scientology and the aftermath started airing uh and then i started watching that and that's where i kind of like picked back up and was like, okay, this is actually very interesting. So uh, that's kind of what piqued my interest again. And when you were growing up, what what was your impression of Scientology? Apart from just hearing that it was a cult, did you, was did you actually know anything about it at all? Um, I really didn't. I, I think the extent of my knowledge was just um, essentially my parents were like they're very convincing people. So I think that was largely where it came from. Hey, if they ever approach you, um, you know, say no, walk away, 
which I now know their, you know, personality tests or something like that is how they kind of get you in. Uh, so, but that was well, about what, it. Yes. One, one of the ways. Yes. One, one, right. of, one of the many ways. Yes. <laughs> um, and so when you started, when you started thinking about doing this paper, you just started researching Scientology, right? And what was your, what was the initial reaction from your professors when you said you wanted to do a research paper on this? Right. So um, as a second year law student on like a legal journal, you have to uh, pick something to write about. It needs to be like an interesting legal topic about something that's going on right now, you know, a present issue. Um, So I had a few topics in mind. um, And obviously writing about Scientology's tax exemption status was one of them. And uh, you kind of bounce ideas off of professors and see what they think. Um, And pretty much everyone was like, that's really interesting. Um, So honestly, it was overall a pretty good reaction to it. Uh, But I do, I, sorry, I knew that if I was going to write this paper for however long, six, seven, eight months that I would be working on it. I wanted it to be something that I was truly interested in and that I would stay interested in like the mm-hmm. entire time. Uh, so that's why I decided to just go ahead and end up writing it. Um, but yeah, it, things got pretty crazy pretty fast uh, researching and kind of delving deeper into things that I hadn't previously known before. And what was the first thing that you were like, wow, okay, I'm on the right track? Um, for sure, figuring out, um, how they kind of retaliated against the IRS back in, I guess, like the seventies, mm-hmm. um, the, you know, breaking into offices, bugging offices, um, you know, stealing confidential documents. Um, and I know that I, I think it was, I want to say like 11 people ended up like facing charges for that and everything. Uh, so I think that was the main thing where I was like, geez, like I didn't know <laughs> that they were this persistent and aggressive. Right. And especially, I, and I say, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, please. Especially. What? Oh, I just, I didn't know that they were this persistent and aggressive, especially um, whenever it came to their tax exemption status in particular. Yes, and just so you know, that was uh, the largest infiltration of government agencies in the United States. And, and uh, you know, to those listening, you could look that up. And in fact, uh, 12, was it 11 or 12 Scientologists went to actual prison for this, including L. Ron Hubbard's wife, Mary Sue Hubbard, who headed up this, uh, at the time, was called the Guardian's Office, uh, then turned into another organization called OSA, uh, Office of Special Affairs, which Mike Rinder was the head of, and we also call it the Office of Dirty Tricks, um, although that makes it sound kind of uh, innocuous, which it isn't. Uh, but was it Mike, 11 or 12 uh, Sea Org members of Scientology went to prison for this infiltration? Yes, of, it, yes. it was 11, Leah. Yeah. 11 okay. of the top officials of the Guardian's office, like you said, including L. Ron Hubbard's wife, Mary Sue Hubbard. And yeah. Taylor raises a really interesting point which we brought up on the Aftermath show that we did about this and have brought up numerous times since. In fact, the the activities that Scientology, the aggressive activities that Scientology engaged in targeting the IRS and targeting IRS agents and officials was in large part what got them back their tax exempt status right. as as absurd as this is the very things that uh, are such horrendous violations of what's known as public policy which i want to talk to taylor about yeah. a little bit more but they were such horrendous violations of public policy that it's incredible that that resulted in the tax exempt status being granted to all Scientology organizations. Right. Uh, it, it's sort of like if you, if you were a criminal and you had been uh, arrested and then you threatened to kill the judge, the jury, the mm-hmm. prosecutors, and the arresting officers unless mm-hmm. they set you free, yeah. and then they set you free. And you go, see, I'm free. And everybody looks around and goes, how the hell did that happen? Well, 
you threatened everybody and you told them that you'd kill them if you if they didn't set you free so they set you free so are you really a good person or not and this scientology has maintained this position that they have been granted exemption by the IRS as a religious organization and this gives them this incredibly special status but in fact the way they went about getting it was the reason they shouldn't have it in the first place mm-hmm. so taylor uh, you you addressed pretty extensively in your article and i am going to post that the full text of your article on the fairgamepodcast.com website and on my blog the mikerindersblog.org even though i put it there before i'll put it there when this episode is but you address this issue at some length about violations of public policy and perhaps being the law student you could explain what public policy is and how one gets your tax exemption revoked on that basis because i thought that your analysis of that was was fascinating Oh, thank you. Um, so essentially with tax exemption status under Section 501c3, um, which is what the Church of Scientology and all of its affiliated organizations fall under, um, there's three statutory requirements to you know, maintain your tax exemption status. And then there's also a common law requirement that the courts created. So that first popped up in Bob Jones University of the United States, which was a Supreme Court case that uh, was decided in 1983. And in that one, essentially, there was two universities that had racially discriminatory admissions policies, and they blamed their policies on their religious beliefs. That's what they used to support the discriminatory policies. So... Essentially, they didn't believe in interracial marriage or relationships. And if students were engaging in those, then they would be expelled. So the court, um, well, initially the IRS revoked their tax exemption status. And um, then obviously it got litigated and went all the way up to the Supreme Court, where um, the Supreme Court decided that because curbing racial discrimination, especially in education, uh, was such an important burgeoning public policy in the United States in the 1980s, that it was perfectly fine for the IRS to revoke their tax exemption status because they were violating public policy. Great, great description. And I know that this is all very legal, but people ask us all the time, how is this possible? What's going on? How come, how come nothing can be done about this? And this is the, like, this is the meat and, and potatoes of this because you look around and you go, but Scientology is doing all these terrible things. They hire private investigators. They suppress free speech. They stop people from talking about them. They don't. They they try and destroy their lives. How can this be uh, a tax exempt activity? And how is this not in violation of this very sort of? Uh, theoretical concept of public policy and taylor points out in her in her article that because of this bob jones university decision the 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 sort of interpretation of what is public policy and what is a violation of public policy by a tax exempt religion is limited to racial discrimination because of that decision, people go, oh, well, if you're not discriminating against people on the basis of race, you're fine, and you're not in violation of public policy. And Taylor points out that there is a much more broad public policy in the United States than uh, discrimination, which yeah. actually, until the 13th Amendment, there was, there was absolutely guaranteed discrimination in the United States. Which is freedom of speech, and, and so the, let's so let's go over that. So, what it Taylor did you find uh, where Scientology should be taken to task by the IRS? But you know, again, I just want to point out to everybody when you ask us, "What can you do? What can you do?" Here's something that you can do. Um, here, here is a uh, a, a student of of life of of law 
who has no dog in the fight with Scientology and does a paper. And I'm hoping that this, this very hard work, I mean, that took her six months to do, will then, uh, uh, will be uh, the kind of beacon for, for people to go and say, okay, here it is. I'm sending this clink, you know, click on the link on Mike's blog on our website and send it to people, send it to your congressmen and women, send it to the IRS, demand that they look into Scientology's, Scientology's tax exemption. But I want to, did you want anything to that, Mike? No, no, no. Per- okay, I absolutely. I, wanna, I couldn't gonna, agree more. Okay. It's why I was so excited to have Taylor on sure, here. Sure. Just like when we had Stephanie Hutchinson yeah. on, yeah. A- another person who yes. was not involved in this, but is doing something. Right. And because so many people are always asking us, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? Yeah. Well, here's something that you can do. And yeah. it, it's nice to have be able to offer that and say, look, this is simple. Do this. Yes, take what Taylor wrote and send it to the Criminal Investigations Department of the IRS and say, we demand that you look into this. Do your freaking jobs. Right. Sorry, sorry, Taylor. I'm not going to curse <laughs> No, I mean, I agree. I'm not going to curse <laughs> while you're on today. I'm going to tell you that's very difficult for me. <laughs> I won't be offended uh, if you I do. <laughs> I don't want your parents to be disappointed in me. Okay. Oh, they won't. I not on my watch. Not on my, my watch, sister. Um, okay. So, so let's talk about the point you just went over, Mike. Uh, so public policy. Yes. Yes. So where is Scientology in violation or yeah, you, you, yeah, that's the question. (laughs) Well, the main issue, I guess, with uh, the holding in Bob Jones university is that other courts haven't extended it to anything beyond racial discrimination. Um, so I think that's the biggest issue here. And I think that really just stems from two things would be a um, it didn't clearly define a source of where government agencies or courts are supposed to look to draw public policy from and to define public policy. Um, and then second, uh, throughout the opinion, there's very strict warnings about what a sensitive determination this is and that uh, revoking an organization's tax exemption status on the basis of them violating a fundamental national public policy, uh, it shouldn't be made unless it's absolutely clear that their activities are violating a public policy. Um, so combine those two, they, you know, wave a yellow flag warning against applying the public policy arguments lightly. Um, but then it doesn't say where to draw public policy from. So And who and yeah, and who, by the way, is defining public policy? That's the issue is no that's one That's the problem. <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> just the Supreme Court in one case. Right. And, and Leah, I've got to tell you something that Taylor points out also. The Rathbun case was probably going to be the perfect case to take this issue all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court about, is it a violation of public policy to try to destroy someone's freedom to speech? Because Scientology, in that case, admitted to the court that their actions of harassing Monique Rathbun, sending sex toys to her off her work, uh, threatening, uh, following her, etc., etc., were pursuant to their religious belief of freedom of speech and freedom to practice their religion. So this that ca- this is yeah. why that case could never go further than it did in the mind of Scientology, why they somehow managed to get rid of that case when it was pending before the Texas Supreme Court. Right. Because the very issues of that case had laid the foundation for an expansion of what was contained in the Bob Jones Supreme Court case, i.e., addressing this public policy as a broader subject than simple racial discrimination. Right. And just for those who don't know, Marty Rathbun was, was a former head of, uh, uh, he was part of David Miscavige's crew. He was your best friend, Mike. You guys worked side by side in Scientology. 
And uh, he has since gone back into Scientology and is now attacking us. And we don't exactly know why. We can make our guesses uh, of how they did this, how they went about achieving silence, not only silencing Marty, uh, but turning Marty into an attacker of us. Right. From your research, what do you believe the fundamental violation of public policy of Scientology is? Um, primarily just their, them implementing the fair game policy and, you know, essentially bullying, harassing, stalking um, anybody who tries to speak out against the religion or anybody within the religion who tries to leave, um, you know, because that's an essential tenet of living in America is freedom of speech, um, freedom to express your own opinions. And Scientology is actively trying to suppress other people's opinions on the religion, particularly when they're negative. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, yes, uh, we're speaking against the abusive practices of Scientology. We're not even actually uh, talking about the religious beliefs of Scientology, which is, you know, asinine and crazy. But, you know, you anybody can make an argument like, <clears throat> well, you know, you could say that about, you know, any religion, right? You could talk about people's religion and go, well, you know, do you really believe you're eating the body of Christ? And do you really, you know, like, so, but we are never talking about the confidential spiritual teachings of Scientology. What What most of us are speaking out against are the abusive practices and the criminal practices of Scientology, which are in its teachings. Um, they don't teach any, uh, you know, they teach children that if you're abused sexually, physically, mentally, that it's your fault, that you're not a child, you're just a, an old spirit in a young body, and you did something to deserve that uh, from your own transgressions in, a nor in another lifetime. That is basically what we talk about. So when people call us critics or anti-Scientology, no, we're anti-abuse. We're anti uh, what you said, taking away the rights of others. And yet they have organizations and front groups that pretend to be defenders of the First Amendment. Right. No, and I think you bring up a really, really important point of uh, the court, courts repeatedly say this is the tax exemption is a privilege not a right. right. And in taking away tax exemption status, they're not in any way hindering anyone's ability to practice their religion. Um, and they explicitly said, you know, in the case to Bob Jones University, like you can continue with these racially discriminatory policies. You know, we won't stop you there, but we are not going to continue to allow you to have tax exemption status if you are still implementing these policies. So, I mean, same thing here. They're not stopping anybody from practicing their religion. Right. But if you're going, if practicing your religion is taking away other people's right to freedom of speech, then you shouldn't be entitled to tax exemption under Section 501c3, which was essentially just my entire argument in that part of the paper. <laughs> we and, agree. And 100%. And you just summarized that perfectly mm -hmm. and and th this is why i so wanted to talk to you and why i want to put this out again and more and reach more people with it because you have done a, a very um un un uh emotional mm -hmm. analysis of here is what the law says here is what scientology does and this is where those two things don't match up. The, the, the law and Scientology don't match to the point where you believe or should believe that they are entitled to tax exemption because the, the, the two things just don't make sense. And it's even worse, and you make mention of the United States Supreme Court case, another United States Supreme Court case, is about Scientology, and it is the Hernandez case. And that was a case decided by the United States Supreme Court that said payments to Scientology for Scientology services are not 
tax deductible because they are a quid pro quo transaction. Okay. Can you explain what that is? Do you want to tell well, her to do it? Taylor, or do you, you, wanna... you do yeah. it. I'll let you talk. I don't want to be <laughs> saying everything that's in your paper. Oh, no, no, no problem. So yeah, the Hernandez case was uh, a U.S. Supreme Court case. That one was decided in um, 1989. And Scientologists came forward and they wanted to be able to deduct their auditing payments as charitable contributions um, under, I think it was section 170 under the Internal Revenue Code. And um, to do so, charitable contribution um, as a, I guess, charitable contribution under that section needs to be where you make a payment or a donation and you don't receive adequate consideration in return, meaning you don't receive the same amount or the same value back for what you're giving whoever. Um, so for the church, they consider auditing payments fixed donations uh, is what they call them is a donation. So the Scientologists wanted to be able to deduct those from their income tax returns. And essentially the court said no, because this is a quid pro quo exchange. Like this is just a simple, you're business. paying for a service. And exactly. It's a business and transaction, you, right? Yeah, exactly. And you're getting yeah. something back. So right. it, it's not in any way a charitable contribution. It's a payment for a service. It's a transaction. Right. Right. And, and yet, decision was in 1989, and the IRS granted exemption to all Scientology organizations in 1993 and included in that exemption specifically stating that donations, quote, fixed donations for Scientology services henceforth will be deductible. And I have asked all sorts of legal experts how does this happen? How does a United States Supreme Court decision get overturned by the administrative decision of the IRS? And nobody has been able to give me an answer. And I was curious, when you brought this up to your law professors or you presented it in your paper, what did they say to you about this, Taylor? Uh, funny enough, I remember the first time I brought it up to one of my professors, I was like, hey, I read this case. They said this, but now... Scientologists are allowed to deduct these payments. I was like, I'm very confused. Uh, and the first thing they told me was go back and read the case again. And like, maybe they you thought you, so they thought you screwed <laughs> up, Taylor. <laughs> they, they were like, you missed something, babe. Like you yeah. mixed. That's not right. And honestly, at right? first I did too, because right, exactly right. like Mike said, I, I yeah. have no explanation for right. why they just ignored the Supreme court's opinion. Um, but yeah, Congress can modify IRS rulings that it considers improper, and then courts can exercise review over IRS actions. But to my knowledge, um, no happen. one ever filed any sort of petition to review <laughs> or anything like that with any court. Um, so, yeah, not, nothing ever happened there. Uh, but so when you, I, I don't so have when you an explanation back, for it either. Well, no, you you do. Uh, and, and so to those who, who are saying this is insane, what's the answer? The it, It's. The answer is what we said at the top of the of, of the program. Scientology fair game the IRS. So you need to really understand that 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 not. I'm not saying that to you, Taylor. I'm just saying that to the, to people listening. The, that is what happened. They they harassed the individual criminal investigation uh, uh, agents who were on the case so much. That they caved. That it's simple. If it's out, if you're outraged by this, again, I say, do something. Do something. If you're somebody out there who 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 deals with this, who's who can affect some change, please, we'd love your help, Taylor. If you're not busy after you're done with school, I'm sure we'll still be here talking about it. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so do we. So do we. If your class is bored, I don't know. Anybody want to take this up? We'd be happy to have you. Anyway. <laughs> so when you go back to your professor and say, well, uh, yeah, nothing happened other than they got fair <laughs> game. <laughs> that, that's the answer. What did they say? Uh, I mean... 
didn't really have an explanation. It was right. the same thing, right. just kind of like, yeah. wow, okay. Uh, <laughs> that, which is honestly what um, a lot of my professors and kind of mentors had to say with, because, you know, we had periodic check-ins throughout the semester because, you know, obviously they want to make sure that we are making progress in writing the article, everything like that. Uh, and then yeah. also majority of the comment topics that people choose to write about um, are more complex. And obviously we start writing it after only one year of law school. So we don't have a whole lot of legal knowledge under our belts. So they, right. you know, monitor us uh, and make sure that we are not either you know, inadvertently or by accident um, misinterpreting the law or sure. any sort of like uh, legal holding or yeah. statute, make sure that we aren't messing up our interpretation of things. Right. Um, so of course they were checking in along the way as I went to and I, <laughs> same thing. They're just like, what the heck? <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't get it either. <laughs> right. And so what was, uh, what was the reaction that you had from your paper when you were finally finished with it? Honestly, it was all really positive. Um, yeah. I think it was maybe like a a week or two after I posted it online. Yeah. Um, and then Mike contacted me and I was like, oh, whoa, like <laughs> never thought he would read it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, no one really sits around and reads law review articles, period, let alone student written articles. You know, they're right. not typically all that fun and interesting to read. So right. uh, it was quite surprising to see that uh, how much interest that the article did garner. But um, honestly, it's everyone's been really supportive so far, uh, yeah. which was great. It's been uh, incredible just to have people supporting me all around me, including yeah. my professors and the administrators at the school and everything like that. Yeah. And have you he heard anything from Scientology? Did you try to contact them to get any answers from them? Um, no, I haven't heard anything from them. Um, I, I didn't try and contact them just because I guess I didn't really ever think that they would see it to begin with. Um, but that being said, within the article, I did try to use um, the Scientology websites for a lot of my citations to sources in addition to uh, Mike's blog uh, troublemaker, going clear, things like that, trying to get um, both perspectives, because I didn't want the article to just be discredited if I only used, um, you know, former Scientologists' testimonies and that sort sure. of thing. So I tried to use Scientology's own descriptions of auditing services, their own description of the bridge, their own mm -hmm. description of uh, clears and what mm -hmm. that means and the abilities that they have. That way, you know, I'm like, hey, you said this, <laughs> right. you, you like you said it, not a former Scientologist. Like this is your own words of right. uh, what the auditing services are and that sort of thing. Right. And so you've not been fair gamed uh, by Scientology, correct? No, I have not. Good. I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> me, me too. <laughs> yeah. And and Taylor, we 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 also sent you the price list. Were you did you were you aware that Scientology had that price list? So I knew that they had fixed prices, but I didn't actually see the price list until Mike sent it over. But yeah, that it was crazy to see, but that also just goes back to the this is a quid pro quo commercial transaction. Um, not a donation. <laughs> so right. that right. was one thing that the, the court heavily relied on in that opinion was saying, no, like they have schedules of prices for different um, levels of auditing courses. So right. you can't say that you're not getting different levels of quality with different payment amounts. Right. Now, what do you think that people... Uh, uh, what do you what do you feel that the IRS should do at this point or people can do at this point? Um, I think the most important thing, I guess, like you guys said, is to just not get complacent and not to like just don't stop. Um, you know, people do need to stay persistent and not just give up, because I know that it's been kind of a long road of people um, opposing the Church of Scientology's tax exemption status, but no one really does anything. 
that or um, a lot of things that I came across in my research was people arguing in favor of revocation of their tax exemption status on the basis that they weren't a valid religion. Right. And I, I quickly learned that that was not the way to go. Well, I was one of those people. I mean, honestly, I finally realized it in one of the episodes we did. I think it was with, um, who was uh, that? Jay like? Wexler. Jay Wexler. Right. It finally. Professor. Yes. It finally hit me that. And that's why I <laughs> wanted to make that point here too. I'm glad you said it, Taylor, because it, it's not about the religious beliefs. Like you could be a religion all day, all night. I don't give a shit. Oh, I curse, and your mom and dad are going <laughs> to... You're fine. <laughs> oh, wow. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, that was shit, one right, thing Mike? that I... Yeah. Is shit a bad word these days? I don't know what the kids are saying. Well, it's 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 not so bad. Okay. Because I think so like people are saying bullshit on network television, which is yeah, it's, shocking. It's, it, it's, it's come into its own recently. Gotcha. Okay, good. When Anderson um, Cooper says yeah. shit on the air... On CNN, you know yeah, that good. it's like become kind of acceptable. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so what was I saying? Uh, oh, so I finally, so what I'm saying is, and, and what we're all saying is you're right. It's not about a religion. We're not talking about religion. So I would like that, that argument to be, uh, to, to stop because we're not talking about that anymore. You can be whatever you want to be. No one's attacking that you want to believe in Xenu and you want to believe what you that you're going to come back in many lifetimes and all that okay this is very different i want to add something else yeah. that is also you remark upon or note in in your paper taylor which is the church of spiritual technology case because there was another very significant case that was brought by the church of spiritual technology and and for those unfamiliar with Scientology, this is the organization that was formed to uh, preserve Hubbard's writings for eternity on steel plates in, you know, bomb-proof vaults, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and was where the the bulk of his estate was to be transferred to. It could only be transferred if the Church of Spiritual Technology had exempt status, so there wouldn't be any taxes paid on the money. And the Church of Spiritual Technology did not have exempt status, and they sued the IRS. And in tax court, this uh, case was decided, and the court very clearly said that the Church of Spiritual Technology is not organized to be an exempt religious activity, and in fact said it was somewhat of a deceptus visus, that it was a trickery to claim that the organization was a religious entity or religious something that should be exempt. That decision, too, was overturned by the administrative ruling of the IRS in 1993, and they specifically granted the Church of Spiritual Technology exempt status. Now, this is the, and I brought this up, Leah, because you were talking yeah. about belief, and I and I completely agree. But yeah. there is also the actual organization, the structure of Scientology organizations, and how they are controlled. And yeah. how the C organization runs all of Scientology through this shadow sort of control mechanism that is not what what is presented to the world as the corporate structure of Scientology. So right. there is both the practices and the actual structure and form and way of conducting business of Scientology organizations. Uh -huh both of which should not qualify for tax-exempt status. Right. And they are both separate from belief. Right. And just, what, do we believe in Xenu or do we believe in Jesus? Do right. we believe in, in uh, you know, things uh, that Hubbard wrote about the spirit or not? And yeah. that stuff is all irrelevant. Right. But what is relevant to the tax exempt status yep. is 
violations of public policy or not being organized according to the IRS statutes as a tax-exempt religious organization. Mm -hmm. And there's court, very, very compelling court, well-reasoned court decisions that say, after studying all the evidence and everything Scientology could present to convince the court that this was, in fact, an exempt activity and organization, both said, no, you're not, you're not, and we agree with the IRS, you are not. And that is is the the sort of frustrating thing about uh-huh. looking at this subject. It is crazy, and there's nothing else like this. Right. There is no other organization that has had these sort of rulings from courts in the United States that have then been granted exemption by the IRS. Right. So, so Taylor, I ask you, because people ask us all the time, is there anything that I can do? Anything that Leah Remini or Mike Rinder can do? Could we write somebody at the IRS? Can we call the IRS? Can we just say, hey, hi, just calling. Want you to look into this? I mean, anything? <laughs> Um, I, I mean, like Mike said, you can call your congressman, um, uh-huh. because congressmen can review IRS decisions. Uh-huh. Um, I, I would say that's probably the best avenue would be so literally to, pick up the phone, call my congressman or woman, just, just call them. That's what I would do. Call them, okay. write okay. them, okay. uh, and send them Taylor's, them. Taylor's okay. law review article. Okay. <laughs> All right. So this is what I can do. This is what anybody listening can do. At this point, it doesn't appear as if the IRS is going to actually go through, review each individual Scientology organization's compliance with 501c3 requirements on their own. Mm -hmm. So if they're not going to do it on their own, sounds like we need another avenue. (laughs) Right. All right. So that's that's one thing. I'm just looking for tangible things that we could get answers for, for our listeners and supporters, for myself. I mean, I've written them. Don't get, don't, just don't get a response. Right. I think ah. just the biggest thing, too, um, is to have substantive information to go to them with. Um, yeah. You know, because like I said, so many people are just like, well, they don't deserve tax exemption because they're a cult. And it's like that is the vast majority of people's argument. And that's just not it's not an effective argument argument and it's not going to work. What's the effective argument? Like just in a few sentences, what what is the most effective argument? Uh, I would say first, um, possibly private inurement based on what's available in the public domain. It still looks like that is occurring in the church with potentially David Miscavige, possibly Tom Cruise. Um, private endearment is basically uh, the funneling of funds to top executives in the organization or influential members of the organization. Okay. So that would be number one. That would be a violation of statutory 501c3 requirement. Um, okay. Number two, I would say, would be commercial activity. As a 501c3 religious organization, you can engage in commercial activity so long as it's incidental to the overall religious purpose of the organization. And one of the ways that courts make this determination is by looking at whether the commercial activities assume an independent importance and purpose within the church that supersedes its religious purpose, and whether the commercial activity points to an underlying goal of actually making a profit. Correct. And by the way, don't talk to me about tithings, everybody. Okay. (laughs) It's not the same thing. Uh, you could walk into a church today and pray and do your rosary like you could do. You could just sit there and nobody's going to come up to you going, excuse me. Excuse me. But have you paid for this service? I mean, you cannot walk in to get a service. I mean, imagine Mike walking into a session, uh, an auditing session and, and look at your, you know, quote unquote counselor and, and, and just say, just begin. They would laugh at you. They would literally right. laugh at you going, where's literally, where is your receipt? Where's your like, invoice? Where's your invoice? Yeah. You need to be invoiced before you walk up to the second or third floor 
where the auditing rooms are. Like you, it's ridiculous. Right. Don't compare them, everybody. They're completely different. No one's showing up to your house, going through your garbage, and harassing you and trying to get you fired and destroying your family if you say that you've been molested by a priest. No one's doing that. I'm and really, that leads me to the third yeah, point, which yeah. would just be violation of public policy. Uh, I think that that is a very strong argument. I think it just doesn't have a whole lot of judicial umph behind it because of the fact uh, that Bob Jones hasn't been extended. But I think right. that there's a very strong argument that it's a violation of public policy to actively try and suppress people's, you know, right to speak freely. Right. And I think, Taylor, uh, you know, it's easy to put this into context for people and say, do you believe that uh, a tax-exempt religion should spend millions of dollars hiring private investigators and lawyers to harass mm -hmm. former members? Mm -hmm. Just that encapsulates the concept of mm -hmm. how this is such an incredible violation. I mean, every taxpayer in the United States effectively is subsidizing Scientology, hiring private investigators. Right. Like that we're all subsidizing that now. We're and, all paying and, for that. And Mike, the, 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 the lawyers that Scientology has on a uh, retainer. I mean, they have the biggest law firms across the United States and beyond. I mean, the premier legal firms on retainer. Right. That's right. millions and millions and millions of dollars. Right. And, and but but that one, Leah, I yeah. agree with you. But yeah. that one, you know, the Catholic Church has a lot of big law firms and we know the to Mormons have people, big law firms. To harass but people, I'm Mike? I'm just saying yeah. the effective thing to say to people is yeah. hiring private investigators, because yeah. that everybody goes, ooh, that's horrible. Yeah. Then you can add on to it all the rest of the stuff, but it's a it's a simplistic way of yeah. communicating what's so wrong about yeah. this. Understood. What is so wrong? Yes. I I also want as many legislators as possible to have a copy of Taylor's Agreed article because it is such an excellent summation and, like I said, dispassionate. It's not, yeah. it, you know, I read it and I go, oh, well, yeah, you know, you could have said this, you could have said that. And then I go, hmm, I'm glad you said it that way. I'm glad you, you took this very even-handed approach to this because it makes it more compelling yeah. because it is so clearly a careful analysis of the facts right. and that is what this is it's an right. analysis of the facts compared to the law and right. when you do that you come to a conclusion that is inescapable scientology should not have 501c3 religious tax exempt status under many different clauses or laws or statutes or court decisions yeah. and something needs to be done about it because the net result of Scientology having that exempt status is yeah. a they are not answerable to anybody and nobody they're they're completely opaque when it yeah. comes to what happens to all this money that they get mm -hmm. Yeah. And B, they are pretty much outside the purview of mm -hmm. courts and law enforcement because of the protections that are afforded mm -hmm. religious organizations in the United States. And they use the fact that the IRS has granted them religious tax exempt status to claim that they are or should be afforded First Amendment protection. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is the 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 like bottom line message is yeah. it, it's it, it's hurting people to have this continue yeah. this is not just uh an esoteric or right. theoretical concept that sits out there like oh should they or shouldn't they 
No, yeah. the very fact that they ha continue to have this tax-exempt status is allowing them to continue to abuse people. Mm -hmm. And it is giving them the freedom to be able to do that without being caught or held accountable. Right. And I think okay. not only that, too, as well, um, I mean, when the government grants tax exemption to any sort of organization, it affects all taxpayers. So it's not even just, you know, even if I guess you look at it like, oh, I'm an outsider, so it doesn't affect me. Sure. I mean, it does. It affects all taxpayers whenever on, an organization is granted an exemption or um, allowed certain deductions. Yep. Uh, you know, the very fact that they have that exemption means that all other taxpayers are, you know, inadvertently um, subsidizing the organization themselves. So it, that's important to remember yeah. as well is even if you're not directly affected, you are indirectly affected. I know. And we said that. And Mike said it many times that I think people are just like, oh, he doesn't mean that. I mean, I don't know if they think he's talking <laughs> out of his ass or what. But, you know, maybe because, you know, you said it, Taylor, maybe people will go like, oh, shit, wait, I'm paying for this. <laughs> yes, exactly. I hope you heard her. <laughs> Say that bit again, Taylor. That's really important. <laughs> I just, I, I don't, I think it's just important to remember that even if you think you're not affected, you are. Just as a United States citizen who is a taxpayer, you are indirectly being affected by the fact that they have this tax exemption that um, allows them to be exempt from, you know, millions of dollars of taxes each year, if, if not more. Yeah. Right. Agreed. Well, Taylor, right. listen, I can't thank you enough for, for being interested enough to dedicate six months of your life to writing a paper, an expose on, on this. Uh, and, and I hope that, uh, you know, we're now that, you know, we're talking about it and we're posting it. I hope that people then send this out, like you said, to to the IRS, to the Criminal Investigations Department of the IRS, to their congressmen and women, um, and, and hope that we can get the IRS to open up this case and to uh, revoke their tax exemption. And again, we're not talking about their religion. They could be a religion all day, all night, um, but they should not be doing that with, with your tax dollars and um, we cannot thank you enough uh, for this, Taylor. And, and I hope that uh, from this, some action will take place and, and you will be responsible for uh, helping a lot of people. And uh, so, so thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And we hope to talk to you soon. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me on. And thank you guys for everything you do. Because honestly, if it weren't for like Scientology in the aftermath, I probably would have forgotten about Scientology after I moved. So uh, everything that you guys continue to do with shedding light on, um, you know, what Scientology practices and what they do in that religion, um, that also plays a huge role as well. So I want both of you to remember that. Thank you. Thank Taylor. you. Thank you, Thank Taylor. You. It's a pleasure. Get back to work now. <laughs> okay, we will do. I'm sure you have a class to get to. Okay. Finals. Finals are coming up. <laughs> All right. Go get it, All sister. Right. Okay, All right, Taylor. Good. Thank you again. Of course. Thank you. Okay. And thank you to uh, all of you who were listening. And uh, until next week. <laughs>